series called Wait What? And uh, the idea is that uh, there are things in the Bible that if you would read it and you're just minding your own business reading the Bible and you go, wait, what? Like, what is, what is that? Why, why would he write it that way? Or can that actually be true? And one of the things we talked about, and again, if you, if you want to go back, all these sermons are on our website. They're on the app and everything. But I, I would encourage you to go back to the one where I talk about doubt and how doubt is not a scary thing and something to be avoided. It's the process of, of relationship building. It's the process of gathering information. It's the, it's the process of, of being curious, okay? And so we talked about that. We talked about, wait, what? I don't have to be anxious? No, you don't have to be anxious. The Word of God talks about that, and it's true. And that's why we say unbelievable things from the Bible that are actually true. One week we talked about the idea, wait, what? I can hear from God, the God of the universe, my creator, I can hear from him? And the answer to that is true. And then we also talked about, I can have margin in my life. Like life doesn't have to be just this one thing after another barrage. Like I can, I can begin to create margin in my life. And so this morning what I want to talk about is the, wait, what? I can understand the Bible now, I just want to say as a caveat to those of you who uh, you know you're a mature Christian. By the way, first of all, if, if you identify like that, you're not. But anyway, um, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. Seasoned saints, whatever we want to call them. People who've known the Lord for a long time. Um, the information I'm going to share with you this morning, the things I'm going to talk to you about this morning, will probably not be new to you. I hope they, it challenges you a little bit and reminds you again how we're supposed to approach the Bible. Um, but, uh, but also, if, if, you're new, if, if you're not new to the Bible, I'm hoping to give you some things that you can share with people who are and encourage them. That they don't have to be frightened of the Bible. They don't have to be like, oh, that's too, we need a theologian to teach me. I need this or that. Now, I'm going to give you some super practical tools, uh, a kind of a way to approach the Bible that I hope, even if you've been a reader of the Bible for decades, that just little reminders of like, wow, that's right. This is the actual Word of God. And, uh, you know, all, my joke, and you've heard me say it a million times, when I get to a place in the Bible that's kind of weird or obscure, I go, read your Bible. There's crazy stuff in here. And just, I'll just give you one little inside tip. I was going to show a verse that's confusing, just to kind of show you how confusing the verse is. But it was so offensive. <laughs> it was so offensive. At least I'll even tell you. I shared it with her that I just took it out and said, they'll just have to find that one on their own. So, okay, so there you go. Read, read, your, read your Bible. Uh, so I'm learning uh, Spanish, as you guys know. I, I've been doing it for an embarrassingly long period of time. I should be, I should be teaching Spanish, but it just, it takes me forever, and I, 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 I get nervous. But I will, I'll say this. I came this last two months, I, I broke into new territory like new territory for me. I finally reached the place where I'm not absolutely terrified when I talk to somebody in Spanish. Isn't that amazing? I'm not terrified. Is that the lowest bar? I know. That's the lowest bar. Like, shouldn't you be able to like, conjugate verbs? No. 
Just don't be terrified. Don't be terrified. And for some of you where English is your second language and you learned English and, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, where you begin to talk and your accent isn't right and you're like, oh, are they judging me or all that kind of stuff? Well, and and so, so my hat's off to you. If, 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 if English is your second language or another language is your second language, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of you. You're doing it way faster than me. But here's my point. Language, learning a language is hard. Unless you're two years old, and then for some reason they can speak 12 languages. Like if you teach them early, I don't know. But anyway, I guess my brain is, is it. but it's hard. Learning the language is very hard. And what I want you to see is the learning the Bible is like learning a language, like learning a culture, like learning something different that's a little bit outside modernity and how we talk now and how we think about things now. And so what I want you to see as we first approach the Bible, that, that l- learning a language is hard. And I have a little example here. Uh, let's say that, um, you know, it got out that someone had stolen some money from me, Okay. Now, first of all, if you steal money from a pastor, pastors are the ones that steal the money. You're not supposed to steal money from a pastor. Okay. No. You'll, you'll see it. Just go on the news. There's a new pastor that just got caught with cryptocurrency. I don't know what these dudes are thinking. Anyway. Okay. So don't, don't steal money from the pastor. But let's say someone steals money from the pastor. Okay. And I walk up to you and I say, I don't think you stole my money. Okay. Then you're like, oh, okay, good. Like, I'm glad he doesn't think it's me. Or I could say, I don't think you stole my money, which means what? Wait, do the police, like, like you're waiting for something else, like, but everybody else does, right? Or, but the police do, right? I don't think you stole my money. Well, now you're expecting, but you could have, huh? Right? So I don't, I don't, I don't think you stole my money, or I could say it like, I don't think you stole my money. Like, if you have something to confess right now, go ahead. I don't think you stole my money. You might have just grabbed it and taken it or borrowed it. Like, I don't think you stole it, right? You're waiting for something else, okay? I don't think you stole my money, (laughs) right? But I kind of think you stole everyone else. Like, you, you see what I'm saying, right? I don't think you stole my money, but what? But you... My car, my, what, what is it? My watch? Like, what, 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 what are you trying to say? I did not change one of these words. Not one of them. I just chose to emphasize things differently. Now, the Bible is written down in words. So oftentimes we will come to the Bible and insert our own emphasis, insert our own things in there to come up with different meanings. Now you say, John, you're not making it any easier for me to understand the Bible. That sounds like it makes it harder. Like, how am I supposed to know where to put the emphasis? Well, I'm going to make it even harder for you. Language changes over time. So even if you speak English and you've always spoken English, that changes over time. I'll give you an example. The word egregious. If I said, well, that was egregious, you'd be like, whoa, what, 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 what went wrong, right? It comes from the Latin word meaning distinguished or eminent. We would normally say back in the day, way back in the day, oh, that is egregious. That's wonderful. Now we say it bad. You say, well, uh, you know, that's awful that you'd say that. Well, awful actually is a word uh, that was used to mean full of awe. So here's a, here's a little tip. 
You can go to somebody, like let's say you're, 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 you're dating someone and they cook for you and you can say, your cooking is awful, right? <laughs> then if they say, that's really cold, you're like, no, no, you don't understand. Back in the 1800s, whatever, right? So, so, so it changes over time. You say, John, that sounds like you're being a bully, right? Okay. Bully was first used in the 1530s, <laughs> meaning sweetheart. So thank you for calling me a bully. That's great. And then it has, it has changed. So learning a language is hard, and the Bible is written in three languages. We'll get to that in just a minute. But then the actual words of the Bible are difficult because you have culture inserted into it as well. Here's a, I'll just go through some difficult verses. I left the one out that you guys could try to find on your own. Uh, you'll never find it, but... Uh, and don't ask me. It's that, it's that bad. Um, okay, so it says that a man ought not to cover his head. Okay, so there you go. Anybody have a cap on? You better take it off right now. Since he is the image and glory of God. Okay, what does that have to do with my head? I have no idea. Anyway, here we go. But woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman came from man. But now man comes from woman, so I don't know how that works. But neither was man created for woman, but woman created for man. It is for this reason that a woman ought to have authority over her own head because of the angels. Be Wait, what? Wait, Paul. Okay. All right, hold on. I get, I get kind of the language man, woman thing. That might be controversial in and of itself. But then a woman can have authority over her own head because they, the angels come out of nowhere. They, and then he doesn't even explain it afterward. He's just like, what, whatever. That, that's confusing. Uh, here's one. <clears throat> Read your Bible. Anyone who beats their male or female slave, wait, I'm sorry, what? Beats their female, with a rod, must be punished if the slave dies as a direct result. But they're not to be punished if the slave recovers after a day or two. <laughs> huh. Since the slave is their property. Wow. Okay. Right? Here's one of my favorites. This might be my life verse. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. Get out of here, baldy. Okay? So I take this as life application. He turned around. He looked at them and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. Now listen, it didn't say all 42 boys. 42 of the boys. How, was it like a football team? Like who? How did you get all the boys are just in giant groups wandering the streets calling people baldy? Like what, what is that? And then as a life application, how do I get me a couple of bears that I could like call down a curse? Here's Psalms 37.9. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Wow. Now, God, and it's a song. It's a psalm. It's like a poem. Oh, sweet. I love the Bible. Okay. You see where I'm going, right? We don't need it. We don't need any more. This is the complication as we approach the Bible. So what I'm hoping I leave you with this morning is just some things that we can do so that we can just keep ourselves in check. I'll, I'll teach you some tools that you can get online and things like that where you can do more and more research. But I just want you to see it is possible to understand the Bible, even with the confusing things. And it's also possible, and this is maybe for the older Christians, to say, 
the worst words in the human language. There's three of them, and it's not I love you. I don't know. So if you are new to the Bible, be very comfortable with I don't know. It's fine. I say I don't know all the time. I'll read something in the Bible, and I go, guess who's not preaching on that? Me, right? Because I don't, I don't know. So here's, here's some of the things we'll keep in mind as we move forward. The first one is this. Context is king. Context is king. And uh, Dr. Metcalf will be talking when we go into Luke. I'll be preaching out of Luke. And then he'll be talking about context, political context, uh, context, uh, socioeconomic context, like what was happening in historical context. So that we can understand, wow, when we approach the book of Luke, this is what we're approaching. Right? And so context is king. I'll give you a few things real quick. The Bible is not a book. It's a collection of texts. And there's 66 we call books. Some of them aren't books at all. Some of them are letters. Some of them are just poems that are collection of poems. But 66 books with 40 authors. Okay? So depending, again, on where you're coming from, things could mean things different. It was written over 1,500 years. Okay, so the span from the first to the last is about 1,500 years uh, with three languages. So when we convert it into English, uh, there's a whole bunch of other things. There's Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic in there. Multiple cultures. So when somebody says something about their culture, it might shock us or, you know, be amazing. Uh, socioeconomic diversity ethnic diversity, and then some morality that's under question. I just read the slave verse, right? To where you're like, wow, I mean, how do I approach this section of text with, with things like that? The other thing about context is king is uh, what we call genre. So what type of writing is it? And the Bible has many of them. The Bible has narrative. That's telling a story. This is what happened. This is when it happened. This is how it happened. That's a, that's a narrative, okay? You have lots of narrative in the Gospels. Here's what happened. You have a narrative in the Old Testament. This is what happened. You have law. Uh, do this. Don't do this. And if you do this, this is what's going to happen. If you don't, so you have to ask yourself, is this law? Does it apply to me? Like, this is Old Testament law. Or is there a concept that has been taken throughout the Bible that this is how it applies to me now? Law. There's wisdom literature, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, you know, work hard, uh, uh, you know, make friends quickly, you know, influence enemies. You know, all, the, all the wisdom literature that you get from Proverbs and, uh, and Ecclesiastes and James would be some wisdom literature. Uh, poetry, there's poetry in there. And so if you know you're reading a poem, do you take a poem literally? You know, do, do you say like, oh, the earth is his footstool. Well, footstools are flat. The earth must be flat. There we go. There's my conclusion. Like, like he puts his feet up on the flat earth like a footstool. So there you go. Do, is that what we do with poems? Of course not. So to know it's poetry it brings a context to how we approach it. Some is prophecy. And so we, we try to think, has the prophecy already taken place? And I'm reading a prophecy about Jesus coming to earth, and well, that prophecy's already been done. Is it a prophecy that's happening, you know, at the end of the age? Is it a prophecy, you know, has the prophecy already happened, maybe, you know, after Jesus, but before now? We have to figure that out. There's apocalyptic literature with some of the wackiest stuff you'll ever read, 
right? And it's like, uh, it, 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 you know, revelation. Like, you know, there's locusts coming, you know, swarms of locusts, and they'll sting you in your neck, and you'll get boils. Like, whatever. I think those are drone swarms, by the way. That's just my own personal, that's just, don't, I wouldn't teach it. I'm just telling you. It matches up pretty darn good. Okay. All right. So I, I will get. There's gospel. Okay. You got four different accounts of Jesus. Okay. And then do, are they supposed to line up perfectly? Or do we say John came from this perspective? Uh, uh, Matthew came from this perspective. Luke says he gives his account. I want to just come to an accurate account of what happened. And then there's the epistles uh, with Paul. And then Jesus, in the middle of narrative, gives parables. A certain man came down from Jericho to Jerusalem. Are we supposed to think that, like, who is the man? Go find him. Oh, you find out, oh, it's a parable. Now I have to listen. What, is there an application at the end? Yes, go and do likewise. Be a neighbor. Okay, that's very, very important. Uh, Paul says it this way to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth puts it into context, understands what, what, type of what type of genre am I reading. And you say, John, that sounds awfully hard. It's not. It's just, it's like learning a language. I don't expect my two-year-old granddaughter to start talking to me about algebra, okay? Now, I would hope that over time, she'll get to a place where she understands algebra, but that's not my expectation. Paul even lets us off the hook and says, look, Right now, you just have the milk of the word. You have the, the but, but man, I'm hoping that you get to a point where you're, you're doing like medium rare ribeyes on the, with the word of God. You're just really getting the meat of what's going on. Even Paul knows that there's a process in this. So we go back to this verse. I just picked it up because it just makes me so happy. It is for this reason that a woman ought to have a, authority over her own head because of the angels. I got to ask myself, who wrote it? Okay, Paul, to what church? The Corinthian church. Oh, well, they're kind of jacked up, pretty much. So, okay, I got to take it, like, with a grain of salt. Like, what are they doing? What does Corinth do? Corinth is, like, a completely diverse city. It has much of wealth and all the things that kind of America would have. And then we have to figure out, like, man, is there something about the angels that I don't know about that, uh, that, that women should have their head covered or have authority over their head or anything like that? And I can easily because of the context of this end with I don't know. I don't know what that means. I have no idea about anything. Now I know many of you probably do and I'll get strongly worded letters but, uh, but uh, I don't, uh, right? So here we go. So context is king. Number two, find a translation that works for you. Now you can get into dangerous uh, stuff here because um, especially in evangelical circles they get very tribal about the, the translations, okay? So if you have, I, I preach out of the NIV, which uh, is the New International Version, but other Christians will call it the nearly inspired version. Like it's not, it doesn't do the right thing, okay? So congratulations, right? So you, I, I preach out of the NIV, but I memorize out of the NASB, the New American Standard, Bible. But if I want to do some really scholarly stuff, I would use the NRSV, right? So you're just like going, John, what is all this stuff? Find one that works for you. You can start with, um, uh, you could even start with the message. 
Now, again, some of you who have been Christians for a long time, you're like, that's not even supposed to be like a literal translation. It's not. But if you're cutting up paper with a two-year-old, you give them the safety scissors, right? Or do you slap a skill saw in their hand? You're just like, no, just fire that thing up. It'll be great. No, just, just hold it like this, and then you just go, don't, don't hit your finger, right? <laughs> Baby steps. And if you're new to the Bible, no one should ever shame you as for what version you like. It'll, your, your taste will mature. You'll get to the broccoli of the NRSV. I trust me, okay? You'll, you'll, you'll get there. That was just for Reed. I'm sorry, okay? Uh, get a good study Bible. Now, I'm just going to warn you, a good study Bible is about 50 bucks if you get kind of one of the big, thick ones. But I'm telling you, it makes you look so spiritual, it's worth it. <laughs> You walk into church with a study Bible, and they're like, whoa, son, he, don't even ask him a question. He's probably going to shame me. No, but that has that context I'm telling you about. Who wrote it? When was it written? What was the, uh, the, the uh, historical thing going on during the day, right? So get a, get a study Bible. And again, I'm, I'm here, to, and I'm dead serious about this. If you cannot afford a study Bible, let me know. I, I will help out with that 100%. The... the yeah, don't, don't worry about it. We'll get it, we'll get it taken care of. Another uh, tool is the YouVersion app. I don't know if you ever have seen that, but if you go online, that's what the icon looks like. That's why I put it up there, the YouVersion app. All those translations I talked about, it has all of them. So you could start, you could read something in the message going, oh, that sounds weird. I mean, that's, that's really, what does it say in the NIV, the one we look at at church? Or what does it say in the NASB, the one John memorizes from? How would, I, how would I do that? And all the tools are there. And there's another thing that's really cool. They have so many reading plans. So you go, you know what? I'd like to learn more about anxiety in the Bible. There's a 10-day reading plan for that. That'll go through Old Testament, New Testament, the, like all those things. There's, there's uh, plans uh, if you want to go through the Bible in a year, there's plans that will read it to you every day. So if you're just like, I can't, I don't have time to read the whole Bible, and you're just driving a work and back, and you're just washing yourself with the water of the Word, just all, you know, uh, on, on your commute. So you version that. Okay, so you find, context is king. So you want to have context, and then you got to find a translation that works for you and tools that work for you. And then here's, here's the one that I think is just very important. Approach the scripture with humility. Now, I'm going to warn you, as you mature as a Christian, as you mature as a believer, it'll become harder and harder for you to approach the word with humility because you think you know it, right? Have you ever been in a relationship where the person finishes your sentences for you? Isn't that super frustrating? And yet, when we read the word of God, we finish his sentences. Oh, yeah, I know, I know exactly what that means. No, I got it, I got it. It's the word of God. We approach it with humility. Look what Proverbs says. Proverbs is wisdom literature, okay? When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility, with humility comes wisdom. I don't know if you've ever done this. I have. I've been quoting a verse for decades, and somebody goes, I don't think that's what it means. And I'm like, Dave. It's what it means, trust me. And then I go back and I'm like, that is not what it means. And I've been quoting it for decades. So it's just going out doing damage. That was before I was a man of the cloth. Okay, so approach with humility. We talked about this verse just a couple weeks ago. For the word of God is living and active. 
that means that what you read a year ago or what you knew a decade ago, as, as your life changes, he might want to have a different thing for you. The meaning of the scripture doesn't change, but the impact on your life might change. And so we don't finish his sentences. We go, we go you know what? It's living and active. And then it goes on. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. In other words, what would you do if you got a, a really, really sharp two-edged sword? You'd kind of hold it away from your body. You like, wouldn't be just going, yeah, and I know everything about swords. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Right? It's sharper than any sword. And piercing. Okay, so it, it can get you. <laughs> as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow. In other words, it can really get you. And able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God never changes, but our thoughts and our intentions do, don't they? So we approach it with uh, humility. Psalm says it this way. So this is the poetry part, okay? Um, Open my eyes that I may see uh, wonderful things in your law. Like, open my eyes. So that leads us to the next thing. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. You get to a confusing thing. I get to the angel because of the angels, and I'm like, Lord, does this have anything to do with me? And he's like, nah, man, it doesn't have anything to do with me. Okay, cool, I'll move on, <laughs> right? Or if, he go, or, or if he goes, hey, stop stop right there. What does this mean that you're created in the image of God for the glory of God? Oh, that might mean something to me. So the Holy Spirit is there to guide us. Matter of fact, Jesus is the one who told us this. I have much more to say about you. This is Jesus, so now we're in a gospel See how we're going through the different genres of the Bible and how we approach them. We're in a gospel. I have much more to say to you. This is Jesus talking. But now uh, uh, more than you can bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He'll guide you into those things. Like maybe you didn't know what it meant two years ago when you were reading the Bible, but now you have a pretty good grasp on it. Now you've heard some other Old Testament stories and some New Testament stories, and you're kind of getting into there. He will not speak on his own. Uh, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. Uh, James says it this way. This is more uh, wisdom literature. James was the brother of Jesus. Well, I mean, half-brother, if you want to get technical. But um, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Oh, man, let me tell you what this means. This means when you go to the Bible and you have a question about something or something bothers you and you ask your heavenly father about it, he doesn't shake his head and go, you got to be kidding me, man. We're still talking about this? Bro, you've been a Christian for 10 years. You don't get the Exodus slave verse yet? What is going on, man? Like, what, what is that? He doesn't do that. Just like as a parent or an auntie or a teacher or whatever, when a kid has a legitimate question, you don't go, this is, get out of here. You're like, oh, no, let, let me explain it to you. Your heavenly father has written down in his word that it's always acceptable to come to him with questions. And it also says, reading behind the lines or between the lines or behind the scenes, I don't know how you say it, but whatever you're reading, yeah. is he expects questions. Why would he write this down if any of you lacks wisdom if he didn't think there were going to come times where you lacked wisdom? So approach the throne of God with confidence, especially when it comes to his word. He wants you to know what it means. He wants you to understand it. Okay. Have a plan, uh, a place, and a pace. Okay. So have a plan. So like I said, with that version app, 
There's plans, uh, tons of plans, a week plan, a year plan, whatever. You can do it by audio. You can do it by reading it. You have different versions of the Bible. But just pick a plan and pick a place. So some place where you can get to daily or every you know, morning and night or whatever it is where you can just kind of be alone. Maybe you start with five minutes. Maybe you do, I'm going to read uh, a proverb a day. If you read a proverb a day, you'll get it through proverbs in 30 days. That's how many, or maybe it's 31. I think it's 30. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But that's, your, that's what you pick. And so you go, you know, I'm just going to, all I'm going to do is read it. And you read it, and there, there you go. And then pick a pace. This is one of the things that when someone is new to the Bible or new to Christianity or whatever, they're like, I'm going to read the whole Bible in 30 days. <laughs> like, okay, hats off if you can do it. But what ends up happening is when we pick a pace that's too quick or too much for us, we, we lose just like we would in another language, learning, you know, I'm going to learn Spanish in 30 days. and no, it, it doesn't work that way. We do this, we do this pace. So a, a, a plan, a place, and a pace. And I'll review all these so you can take a picture of it at the end. Um, uh, here's what it says um, in Joshua, which is an Old Testament narrative. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate it on a day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it so that you will be prosperous and successful. Okay? Daniel. Daniel gets in trouble. So Daniel, the book of Daniel, a lot of it is prophetic. But now we have narrative in a, in a book that has prophetic, okay? Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, they said you can't pray to any other god uh, but the king. When he heard that, he went up to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed. He had a place, right? And he had a pace. Three times a day he got on his knees uh, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Now, I'm going to give you a really geeky thing. And, and again, like I'm saying, this is for people who are just like, if, if you've been a long-term Christian, you probably have all of this nailed down. But this is a tool that you can help somebody else with uh, if you can. Uh, it's called SPEC, and I didn't make it up. Uh, it's, it's been around for quite a bit, and it just helps you remember how to approach the Bible. One, is there a sin to be avoided? Is there a sin to avoid? So you're reading the Bible, and you're going, hmm, God seems to not like this, so I should probably not do that, okay? Very simple, right? You know, you can start with the Ten Commandments. There's the do's and the don'ts in there, so you just kind of start, start there. A sin to avoid. Is there a promise to claim? Like, I can stand on this for the rest of my life. You, he'll really never leave me or forsake me? That's, wow, that's incredible. So is there a, a promise to claim? Is there an example to follow? You know, Paul clearly says, hey, follow me as I follow Jesus. Is there an example to follow that Jesus, like I said, with the Good Samaritan, does the parable of the Good Samaritan and says, hey, do, do that. Is there an example to follow? Is there a command to obey? Encourage one another, love one another, forgive one another, be hospitable to one another, encourage one another. These are all commands that we do to each other. Is there a command to obey? And then is there a knowledge about God? Well, he's the creator of everything. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, he's my rock. He's my fortress. 
He's my strong tower. He's my deliverer. He's my healer. He's my provider. These are all things I get from the word of God that I learn. And, and some, sometimes in your life, one of these will pop out more than others. For some of you who are in turmoil right now, you've got some situations that are outside of your control, you might want to just stand on some promises, right? For some of you who are getting maybe new, brand new to knowing Jesus, maybe you spend a little time going, I don't even know what's wrong or right, like in this whole process, and you, you focus on that. All right. And then la the last thing I want to talk about is uh, have a safe community of growth. Um, I don't mean to brag about Living Spring, okay, and we're not, the, we're not a perfect church. I mean, we're almost, but we're not a perfect church, but we are a safe place for community. What do you mean, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is a place where you can go to anybody and you can ask the most bizarre question or something like, I have never understood this, and that you won't be judged for that. So the reason at Living Spring we say belong, believe, be changed, we do it in that order, is because we want you to know you can belong here, you can ask any questions, whatever. First, you don't have to believe a bunch of things in order to belong. But I want to make it really clear, if you belong here, I want you to believe some things. <laughs> I want you to believe like the Word of God, I want, because I want you to be changed. And that's called sanctification. And so while we have a big front door where people can come in and feel comfortable and go, man, who's Jesus? And somebody doesn't go, who's Jesus? Where, where have you been? Like, come on. You don't know John 3.16? Like, what's a 3.16, right? Like, you don't know Elisha? Who's she? You know, right? It's like, you, you know, you just have a nice, it's a he, he by the way. Okay, all right. So don't, don't, don't name your daughter Elisha. But, uh, right? So look, look at what happens in Acts, the very beginning, the reason the church grew, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking bread and to prayer. So they didn't just sit down, listen to the apostles' teaching, get all puffed up in their head, look at all the knowledge I have, and then they're, they're no good to anyone. It's, it's, a, it's a mixture, a safe community of growth. This might be your small group where you go, you know, we just announced uh, Lisa's women's small group. That is a safe place of growth. You can share whatever you want there. You won't be judged. As the worship band comes back up, uh, have a safe. Let, 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 me, let me show you what it says in Hebrews again. Let us consider, let's think about, let's mull over how we may spur one another to, toward love and good deeds. Like how do we encourage you? How do we say, no, it's okay. You don't need to know that now. Let me, let me show you how it works. As some are in, uh, uh, yeah, not giving up meeting together. In other words, you don't do this on your own. It's a, you, if you study the Bible and you're just by yourself, it can, uh, no one's there to challenge you. That can get into some wacky stuff. Uh, that, that's how cults are started. Um, I mean, unless you wanted to start a cult, then I guess, yeah, go, go for it. As some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the day, uh, all the more as you see the day approaching. And then finally, uh, probably the best one. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So I'll just put these up here. Uh, and this is not exhaustive. This could have been a whole series. Um, uh, but you can take a picture of it or whatever. Or I'll send it out. But uh, we get a really awesome opportunity this morning to take communion and uh, 
this is part of the reason why when we study the Bible, it's also important to get together as a community uh, to participate in what uh, we call the Eucharist, communion, the Lord's Supper, uh, where we just are reminded of why we're learning the Bible in the first place. Jesus says, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have life. It's these that point to me. So our approach to scripture in all humility is to become more like Jesus. And so when we take communion, we're reminded of the sacrifice he made that we can approach the throne of God. And so what we say is that in the night that uh, Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which has been broken for you. Whenever you take and eat of this, remember me. Remember the sacrifice. Remember why you are part of this community. And in the same way, he took the cup and he gave thanks and he blessed that. And he said, this is my blood which has been poured out for the remission of sins. Whenever you take and drink of this, remember me. And so what we do is we have the elements here can walk up from either side when you're ready. Um, it's an open table. So if you feel like, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to make this commitment. I, I want to identify this. Or maybe you're brand new and you're like, I, I want to belong. I want to be a part of this, but I don't know everything anymore. You're welcome to take communion with us. And so uh, the, the bread there, the crackers, just represent the bread of the Lord's Supper. And the juice represents Christ's blood, which has been uh, shed. For you. And then you can take that back to your seat or you can come and kneel and take it at the altar here. Um, but then when we're done with all that, I'll come back up and bless us. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you so much for your goodness and for watching over us. Lord, thank you for dying for our sins, for cleansing us from all unrighteousness. We thank you that we can hear your voice, we can read your word, we can get to know you more, to become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.